Hey everybody, Jake Heath here. We got a brand new episode of Go Fact Yourself today, and this one's a little different. We recorded this as a live video stream with our friends at KPCC and LAist. Folks who watched it live got to see everything that you're listening to now, plus a little bit more. And so it's going to sound a little bit different than our normal episodes and also a little bit longer. By the way, if you want to actually see the live unedited version that we aired, you can still do so on KPCC's website. You can go to kpcc.org and search for Go Fact Yourself, or we made a little shortcut for you at bit.ly, that's bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash G-F-Y, KPCC. Again, bit.ly slash GFY KPCC. Thanks so much. Enjoy the show and stay safe from all your friends at Go Fact Yourself. Helen, take it away. You a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually... <laughs> Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb and then smart again. I am Helen Hong, and now socially distancing from another state-of-the-art home sound booth in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Hello, hello, Helen. Can you hear me? I can. Hi, J. Keith. Oh, my gosh. Hello, Helen Hong. So wonderful to see you and hear you, and uh, wonderful to be doing a taping again. I know. We've missed it. We have. How have you been doing during the quarantine times? Are, are, are you uh, having a lot of video meetings like this? I'm having a lot of video meetings, but I am lear- learning some new skills, J. Keith. Oh, like what? I've gone full doomsday prepper. I've embraced it, and I've decided I'm going to take up farming uh-huh. and grow my own food. And how's that going so far? I, I'm not a plant person. I uh-huh. don't have any plants in my house. I am a notorious anti-green thumb. I kill things. Mm-hmm. The other day, I cut up a tomato, a store-bought tomato, put it into some soil, and it just started sprouting. Wow. I was like, wow, nature is dope. <laughs> Nature like, who is knew? dope. Who knew? Who knew? I just... think that's. I think that's our next T-shirt. <laughs> uh, I've taken a very opposite approach. I have uh, let myself off the hook by deliberately choosing not to learn any new skills. And let me tell you, it is going very well. Uh, <laughs> not only have I not learned to do anything new, I believe I am forgetting how to do things that I knew how to do before. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think there's a little bit of that. Yeah. It's, what do it's you... really, I, I really recommend it if you can uh, if you can have the luxury of just saying, Meh. What is something that you used to be able to do that you can no longer do? Oh, boy, that's a good question. Um, I would say, uh, I actually, I used to have a tiny bit of skill with gardening, believe it or not. Oh. Well, the key is, I learned, is to repot the plant once it gets too big for the pot. Yeah. Apparently, uh, you can make a pot that's too big for the plant. Like, sometimes the plant, you know, gets insecure not having a place to, that it can it can feel around. Uh-oh. So, um, yeah, that's right. why I buy all of my plants now at the 99-cent-only store. So if they <laughs> if they do die, it's like, eh, it was a dollar. I can, I can afford it. I don't mean to sound like a big shot, but uh, I can afford to kill a 99-cent plant. That's, that's how well the podcast's doing. <laughs> hey, everybody. Today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and, frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest, Helen, who is up first. 
He is an Emmy and Tony Award-nominated songwriter and singer and the one-man house band on NPR's quiz show, Ask Me Another. It's Jonathan Colton. Jonathan Colton. There he is. Hi, guys. How you doing? Hey, Jonathan. Very good to see you. Jonathan, you were at your home in Brooklyn. Is that correct? That's right. My state-of-the-art Brooklyn studio. This is a very musician-y studio you've got back here. With I hung up the guitars so that it would look like I have a real thing that I do. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, have you found yourself being more productive, less productive, or about the same during this time? When this first started, I sort of was alarmed like everyone else, and then I sort of bought into this fantasy that I was just going to sit around and, and have to kill time and learn how to be bored again and stuff like that. But as it turns out, I'm incredibly busy. I feel like I'm busier now than I ever have been. I mean, I'm very fortunate to have... Uh, work to do but mm-hmm. you know when Ophira and I do ask me another we've we've started doing it remotely just like this not live but you know mm-hmm. and that seems to have spread out the work in a way that's mm-hmm. like uh, I'm 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 constantly doing zoom calls it feels like <laughs> yeah that's, that's going around a lot you had an interesting experience happen just as the pandemic and, and all of the, the sheltering in place was happening. You were doing your annual Joko cruise. You kind of just got that in under the wire. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, you, you've described this cruise as a, a floating nerd party. Uh, is that still accurate? Yeah, that's basically right. It's like, uh, it's a, imagine Comic-Con, but not all the awful parts and on a cruise mm-hmm. ship. Right. So yeah, this was our 10th year. And uh, yeah, we sailed March 7th to the 14th <gasps> out of Florida. What? Are you kidding? No, I know. And it was the kind of thing where uh, when we left, it was like, oh, something weird is going on. And by the time we were midweek, we all were fine and washing our hands like crazy. But yeah. the, it felt like the world was going nuts on, on back on shore. And so when we, as we got to the end of that week, we were all like, I don't really want to get off the ship because I feel totally mm. safe here. Oh, At, wow. In, right in the middle of that week was when uh, Tom Hanks uh, uh, got the got the coronavirus. And that's when it felt like it really turned, when it was like, I don't know yeah. if we can go back. <laughs> it's true. Once Tom Hanks gets sick, it's like, oh, gosh. Right? It feels yes, like we were, we're over the falls. It's, at that re- point. it's real now. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. But uh, you, you've done it, you said, 10 years, so you now have enough people that you take over the whole ship. Is that right? We basically rent a cruise ship for a week, which is... Wow. Wait, and you're the theme? Yeah, yeah, it's the Joko <laughs> Cruise. It stands for Jonathan Colton. I know, right? Stop it. I so... know. I don't, I don't believe it either, Helen. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about your most recent album, which is called Some Guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, a, it's an album of covers of soft rock from the 1970s. Uh, what, what about that time period and, and that genre appealed to you? I mean, you know, I grew up in the 70s. I, I was born in 1970. So when I was a little kid, uh, you know, I was riding around in the, in the backs of cars with my parents, and they were listening to uh, radio. And for whatever reason, the songs, the very first songs that I connected to you know you can kind of remember as a kid like the oh that song where you sort of Mm -hmm. recognized a song and wanted to hear it again and wanted to know what it was about um those songs were all these soft rock songs and for me i think you know i was a sensitive kid and the the idea of these of these uh these bearded uh 70s men manly manly men singing about their feelings how brokenhearted they were Mm -hmm. it was just something that i really connected to and i sort of a secret shame. I have always loved 70s soft rock music. And then, you know, these days it felt like we could all use a little more sensitivity. Uh, mm. So, yeah. So especially I did this for album. men. Yeah. Especially, especially for men. men. Yeah. yeah. All the covers sound exactly like the originals. That's what I was going to ask you. A lot of times someone will do an album of covers because they want to put their own stamp on it. You wanted no. to put 
somebody else's stamp on it. Yeah, um, I, I felt but, like these songs were fine the way they were. There was no, <laughs> I, there was no improving to be done. And really, it was like it for me. It was, a, I mean, it was a real labor of love. It was, I, I just wanted to get inside these songs and crawl around, you mm. know. And so it was listening to them and taking them apart piece by piece and then reassembling this exact scale model. <laughs> like an infestation. You wanted yeah. to be like an infestation of 70 songs. That's right. Yeah. I wanted to be the lice to... Uh... <laughs> infestation, I believe, is the scientific term for a grouping of 70 songs. An infestation like a, a of 70 songs. A herd of buffalo, a school right. of fish. A gaggle of geese. <laughs> um, were there particular sounds that were hard, especially difficult to recapture? You know, we tried not to go too crazy with, uh, you know, matching, you know, figuring out what amps they use and what guitars they used. There, what about vocally? Vocally, there was some stuff that was really hard. You know, I did Stephen Bishop's On and On. Uh, mm-hmm. And Stephen Bishop has this high, sweet, beautiful voice. That was a really challenging mm-hmm. one for me. We also did The Eagles' New Kid in Town has some stacked backup vocals. There are mm-hmm. like a thousand backup vocals in there and some of them are very high. So yeah, that was a challenge for sure. Very cool. Uh, well, speaking of singing different styles on Ask Me Another, a lot of times you're asked to do song parodies as part of the game, even though you have a, a, a quite a niche in what some would call, I guess, the novelty song world. Uh, you, you haven't done parodies uh, in, a, in and of themselves uh, on, on your own. What, what's it like for you to, to be? Or am I mistaken? On that? No, you're, you're you right. I don't. Yeah. I'm not really uh, the, my the work that I do uh, as a singer songwriter is not really parody songs. It's true. Right. Yeah. So uh, do, do you like that opportunity to, to inhabit songs in, in that way, even if you have to change the lyrics around? I, I do. I mean, you know, I grew up listening to Weird Al Yankovic, and, and sure. uh, I will say that the thing that a lot of people don't know about Weird Al is that he is very good at what he does. And really? uh, I, I mean, I think, well, I clearly, but I mean, I think, <laughs> I think people dismiss parody songwriting as a thing right. that's just like, oh, it's an existing song. You just put some different words in there. But... There's a real difference in quality between somebody who knows how to do it well and somebody who's just doing it. And Weird Al, uh, you know, having done it a little bit myself for Ask Me Another, I can tell you that it's it's very hard to do it extremely well. And Weird Al does it extremely well all the time. Absolutely. Uh, Last thing I want to ask you about it. I read in an interview where you said about the success that you've had in the music business that you said that nobody is more surprised about all of this than I am. Uh, (laughs) What what, what about where you are today is is most surprising? What did you think you'd be doing? When I was a kid, uh, certainly in high school and maybe even in college, I kind of I kind of was thinking, yeah, I'll go to New York and try to be a musician. But, you know, they always tell you it's a hard uh, it's a hard thing to do. Everybody's trying to go get famous. Right. I never imagined that I would be successful in this way. And in particular, things like, you know, being on Ask Me Another or hosting my own cruise. I I mean, if you told me, (laughs) you told me uh, 15 years ago that I was going to be renting my own cruise ship or a fan cruise that had my name on it, I would tell you you were crazy. I'm Uh, still a little flabbergasted. I'm not going to lie. No, me too. I feel like that's a, that's a real, like you've won. (laughs) No matter what else happens, victory, victory is mine. If you have your own cruise and you're the theme of the cruise, you've won. I I guess, I guess. Yeah, I'll take that. (laughs) I'll take that victory. (laughs) Excellent. Well, it's a victory for us to have you here. Thank you again for joining us, Mr. Jonathan Colton. Thank you.
Helen, against whom will Jonathan be competing today? She is a comedian, writer, and host of NPR's quiz show, Ask Me Another. It's Ophira Eisenberg. Ophira Eisenberg. Hello. Hi. How convenient. Yes. How convenient. How convenient to not have to leave your home to be on a show. (laughs) You know what? It's been a while since I've been on anything live. Yeah. So it feels very, very intense. Very good. You also are in Brooklyn uh, at at your home there. Oh, no. You're not. No, I'm not. Oh, excuse me. That's right. I forgot you. You. You fled the city. I did. Yes, are you in a I secret indeed. location? Can you give us any hints as to where you are? Can you tell? Would I be someone who would buy these beautiful drapes? I don't think so. <laughs> no, but but if you did, you definitely would be the person to have them on every Zoom meeting. Are you exactly. holed up at a Bed Bath & Beyond, Ophira? I win. It's very close. No, I mean, the most impressive thing about this after living in New York for almost 20 years is that right now I'm touching windows that are on two different Walls. One that faces south and one that faces east. Yeah, that corner living, that sweet, sweet (laughs) corner living. Yeah. So you've been uh, recording uh, Ask Me Another from there as well. You also have a four year old child. How's that been dealing with the recording schedule and with, with parenting a young child? First of all, all of you people that do not have children will be taking care of my child when all of this is over so I have a chance to catch up, okay? Because it's impossible. It is utterly... I mean, I clearly... I thought I was a parent. Turns out I did very little. Very little parenting. <laughs> well, if you're... I totally wow. understand what you're going through because I have two cats, so... I, yeah. So you know what it's like to have something that hates you. Yeah. <laughs> are, you are you homeschooling? Or is he a little young for homeschooling? He's just on the cusp, so there is some homeschooling. I mean, it's it's more, uh, I think, just the routine. And they're trying to teach them, like, math. But, right, it's if he didn't do it, I don't think it would affect his <laughs> later <laughs> progress. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. But... You want to get into a good uh, middle school, so you got to <laughs> really... That's true. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and when he does it, it's like sort of something to keep his attention for a few mm-hmm. hours. But you still have to be there, completely active, right? Yeah. Uh, now, if you're, I've known you for a long time before yes. you're uh, uh, on NPR. What are what are some of the perks of being an NPR icon? You, uh, you, you imagine you've gotten to interview a lot of people that uh, that you've admired over the years. I mean, not people that I've admired over the years. People that I cannot believe I've been able to see live. Mm-hmm. I would say. Also, just finding out that most people are very scared of trivia. I will say that is like, (laughs) you think public speaking freaks people out. I think that's gone. But trivia Mm. freaks, celebrities, the most brilliant people, you know this, like the most brilliant people, the most accomplished. You say, we're going to ask you some questions about just general knowledge. And they're like, no, no, not interested. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I believe you and Jonathan are the first guests where uh, when we've gone through the rundown of the show, haven't said, oh, I'm going to be terrible at this. Almost everybody says, I'm going to be terrible at this. And then nobody has been terrible. So Well, I don't know what being terrible at something is the baseline of my career. Oh, so I don't, I don't see, it would be redundant <laughs> to say it again. One of the people that you got to uh, interview on Ask Me Another that I know would appeal to Helen was uh, Sir Patrick Stewart. Ah, swoon. <laughs> you know what was great about him? That was now many years ago, and it was still a total highlight, of course. And what was great about him is that he just walked in totally ready to play you remember that Jonathan like the guy was joking off the top because he lived not too far from the venue in Brooklyn that we record at the bell house and I just said something to him offhandedly like oh it's so nice that you could just walk here and he was like I was carried 
You know, it's the <laughs> first thing he yeah. said. It was just like, oh, this is going to be fantastic. I yeah. love him so much, and he's yeah. so fantastic. And have you been following him online? He's been reading a sonnet a day during the quarantine, and I'm like, oh, as if you were a swoon-worthy already. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. You have been on this uh, show before. You were on our episode uh, 23. Do you feel that's going to give you an advantage over Jonathan Colton today? Are you ready to, to throw down? I'm just surprised you asked me back. So, <laughs> well, in in a way, part of that was because we felt we owed you a little bit of an amends because we uh, your your topic last time you were on was Canadian food, and yes. we asked you a question about uh, an item of Canadian food that you had not heard of, and then it turns out uh, your expert had never heard of either. So we kind of owe it to you. So you know what? You taught me a fact on the show, which oh, yeah? then you know one of those things that then you learn about, and you're like, really? Uh, mm-hmm. And it was about. Canada. It was about that maple syrup is such a precious commodity and can be so outrageously expensive. And I wasn't really aware of that, uh, how insanely expensive it can be. And then after that, I felt like all I was, people were just talking to me about this fact all the time. (laughs) So finally, I was like, yes, I have heard about this. (laughs) I'm glad we could help. That was a great episode, um, and I remember distinctly your es- your expert was a Canadian restaurateur, Canadian American yes. restaurateur, and he was that's hot. right. He was a he was hot, he was wasn't he? Handsome. Super hot, Ooh. yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a bar in Bushwick, bar yeah. restaurant, and bar in Bushwick. Yes, yeah. How do you say hu- how do you say hubba hubba in Canadian? <laughs> I guess you go oh. <laughs> I like it. Uh, last thing about Canada. Last thing about Canada yeah. is that uh, I've heard from a lot of Canadian uh, entertainers, comedians, and, and writers and whatnot that they feel that uh, they have to leave Canada in order to hmm. be appreciated in Canada. Has, has that been your experience there as well? Are you are you Canada famous? Nope. No. <laughs> I go back and they're like, "Who are you?" Um, no, but there there is that thing. No, there is still this idea that whatever product. America is the big market, so if the big market of entertainment likes you, then you mean something everywhere right. else. I mean, it's there's tons of great Canadian comedians that probably are known to so many millions of people that you, unless you worked really, 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 really hard to research, would just mm-hmm. never find. So maybe that's Excellent. okay. Well, we're so glad that we found you and that you're joining <laughs> us again. You. Ophira Eisenberg, everybody. Jonathan and Ophira, we asked each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. (laughs) Jonathan, you said you know a lot about Billy Joel albums from Piano Man to an Innocent Man, Mm -hmm. the video game Red Dead Redemption 2, and high school chemistry. Whereas Ophira, this will be interesting, you said you know a lot about the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark, the TV show Three's Company, and this tracks with those splenectomies. Later on, we'll ask you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It is time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, a shot in the arm. First up, Jonathan. Jonathan, your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen? It's from Jeannie LaPack of Roanoke, Texas. Listeners, if you'd like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to gofactyourpod.com and click on Get Involved. All right. Thank you, Helen. And thank you, Jeannie. Jonathan, in the topic of a shot in the arm. Shot. Jonathan, a very topical question, we hope. They might both involve a shot, but what is the difference between vaccination and immunization? Vaccination and immunization. I know a little something about the the mechanism. So I I believe the mechanism behind vaccination is that you're giving it a fake 
version of the virus, right? That is not going to harm you, but it, it, it looks like the virus to your body. So your body generates the uh, antibodies that you'll need to fight that virus, which means that you are then prepared if the real virus comes along. Your, your defenses are already, are already there and ready. I think that's what vaccination is. Immunization is the same thing. No, I, oh, wow. immunization. <laughs> I forgot that we changed this to the, what's the similarity round? <laughs> immunization, I had never thought that they were different before. This is a very, this is a very clever question. Um, I mean, it certainly, it certainly uh, has the word immune in it. Mm-hmm. I wonder if vaccination is, doesn't give you full immunity, but just gives you the ability to fight it off. Whereas immunization makes it impossible for you to get infected. I don't know. But if you did, that would that would be it. That would that would be my guess. Yeah. Okay. In fact, that is your guess. Yeah, that is my guess. Okay. Very good. Uh, we have Jonathan's answer. We don't know yet if he is correct. Wow. Ophira, if you don't think he's got wow. it right, you can steal. What do you think? I thought immunize. First of all, there's no anti-immunization people, right. so <laughs> that opens up something. But I, I I thought immunization was something that made it impossible to vote you off a reality television show. <laughs> I think you're thinking of an immunity idol. An immunity oh, oh, okay. idolization, yes. Um, so I, I'm trying to think if if um, they're related and a vaccination gives you immunity. I don't, like, this is the thing. If immu- is if uh, <laughs> Yeah, this is about uh, where I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> yeah. glad Ophira used if, that time to formulate her more articulate yeah. answer. So <laughs> I disagree. You know what? I disagree. How about that? <laughs> okay, well, this... This segment needs a booster. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges table for the facts. Here are the facts. Vaccination is the administration of medication for the prevention of disease, basically the process of getting a vaccine into the body. While vaccinations are usually an injection, they sometimes are in the form of a pill or a spray. Immunization describes the actual changes the body goes through after receiving a vaccine. Uh. Incidentally, vaccination can occur without immunization, like if the vaccine is not fully effective. And immunization can occur without vaccination, like if you get a virus, recover right. from it, and then have antibodies in your system that prevent you from getting the virus again. This sounds so fantastic. It sounds so amazing, right? This sounds perfect. Where do I sign up? Yeah, yeah science, science is pretty cool. Uh, this, is, you, yes. this is what we were saying. This not, is what we were saying. And yet you did not uh, answer what the difference was which I believe, again, going back to the original title of the segment, is what we were looking for. You know yeah, what? We have true. a recording of this. I want you to play it back and listen to it again. <laughs> oh, no, I, I'm definitely sure that if that if we did not ass- assign points properly, our Twitter listeners will definitely let us know. That's true. That's uh, true. By the way, uh, Helen mentioned that vaccinations can be administered as a spray, and in fact, chickens are often vaccinated by someone walking by and spraying them from a backpack sprayer that looks like a leaf blower. The oh. chickens then preen their feathers and consume the vaccine, and when there's a vaccine for COVID-19, that is exactly how I plan on getting vaccinated. Helen, how did they do on that question? <laughs> I'm going to give uh, zero points. Yeah, both of you. <laughs> that seems fair. Both yeah, of that, you bombed hard on that one. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that yeah. seems merciful. Um, all right, up next, a shot in the arm. Ophira with arm. Ophira, while they both might grab you underwater, when talking of sea creatures such as squid, mm. octopus, nautilus, or cuttlefish, which of course you know as cephalopods, Uh, the cephalopod class of mollusks, of course. Uh, What is the difference between a tentacle and an arm? A tentacle and an arm. Mm, Okay, tentacle and an arm. Uh, I think 
I think a tentacle is used to feel and an arm holds the beverage. An arm holds the <laughs> beverage for the octopus. Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think. I do think the tentacles mm-hmm. are used to feel and move forward. I'm mm-hmm. getting in the headset, getting in the headset of the squid. Okay. And then the arms, the arms must, you. Uh, I think... Right. I think they don't have any um, sensory. I think the tentacles have the sensory things on them. Sensory can, things. Can you be a little and, more specific? <laughs> <laughs> they have, what, what, I, I mean, I'm just trying to think of a word that would say this. They have a, a senses they're able to perhaps feel. Okay. Perhaps they are able to taste. Okay. A little Those bit. Those are the tentacles, but the arms do not have that, you're saying. Yeah, the arms are for hugging, fighting. Yes, they are. I've seen that bumper sticker, yes. Uh, all right, we have Ophira's answer. We don't know there yet if go. she is correct. Jonathan, what do you think? Both male and female cephalopods can have arms, <laughs> but only boys can have tentacles. That's a joke. That's a joke. No. I wasn't sure, and I'm glad you said like, so. That was such good yes. confidence. It's, it's I was very like, confident. That's oh, the, the confidence yes, of a fantastic. straight white male yes. saying a thing yeah. that is wrong. Unfortunately, we do have to take your first answer. No, <laughs> no. That was, Please feel free to give it a real, a real I'm going to say, I don't know if this, I feel like this is a slightly different flavor from what uh, Afira was saying. I'm just going to mm-hmm. sharpen what Afira was saying. I'm going to okay. say that um, uh, the tentacles, uh, as general, general appendages for mm-hmm. uh, cephalopods, but arms are specific, mm-hmm. specifically uh, tentacles that are used for grasping or locomotion. But a tentacle okay. might not necessarily be an arm. All right, well, this segment is losing its grip. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. In the cephalopod creatures we are discussing, arms have suckers for their entire length. Tentacles, oh. tentacles do not have suckers for their entire length. In fact, some tentacles don't have suckers at all. They are, they are suckerless. The octopus has arms, but not tentacles. The nautilus has tentacles, but not arms. And the squid and cuttlefish have arms and tentacles because yeah. they are greedy. Uh, that's right. Now, if a tentacle does have suckers, they'll be at the end on a paddle-like shape, like the longer appendages of a squid. Uh, tentacles are also extendable and retractable, sometimes reaching 70% farther than in the relaxed state, uh, like Inspector Gadget, because we all remember go-go gadget tentacles. Sure. Helen, how did our guests do on that question? Uh, I'm going to say both of you bombed out yet again. Yay! Yeah. And what is our score at the end of this yeah. round? Uh, at the end of this round, both Ophira and Jonathan have zero points. Cool. Feels good. That's right, but those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Welcome. Thank you, Paul. These are real podcast listeners, not actors. What do you look for in a podcast? Reliability is big for me. Power. I'd say comfort. What do you think of this? That's Jordan Jesse Go. Jordan Jesse Go? They came out of the floor? And down from the ceiling? That can't be safe. I'm upset. Can we go now? Soon. Jordan Jesse Go, a real podcast. Hey everybody, Jake Heath here. Want to tell you about our brand new sponsor, ExpressVPN. You probably already know that ExpressVPN can protect your privacy and security online, right? But did you know that you can also use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries? It's true. 
You know, now that so many of us are stuck at home, it's only a matter of time until you, well, run out of stuff to watch on Netflix. Well, you can use ExpressVPN to change your location to almost 100 different countries. So just think about all the extra libraries you'll be able to access. Stuff like Brooklyn Nine-Nine on Netflix Canada, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air on Netflix Australia, and Rick and Morty on Netflix France. Ooh la la. And it's so fast, you can say goodbye to buffering or lag and stream in HD with no problem. ExpressVPN is also compatible with all your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. I have a Roku TV, and it works great. So you can watch what you want on a personal device or on the big screen, wherever you are. And if you visit our special link right now at expressvpn.com slash gofact, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Support this show, watch what you want, and protect yourself with ExpressVPN at expressvpn.com slash gofact. That's expressvpn.com slash gofact. Thank you, ExpressVPN. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Jonathan Colton with zero points and Ophira Eisenberg with zero points. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen Hong. We could not have a closer score than we do now. <laughs> uh, no, you guys are a little too happy with that score. <laughs> not I'm at just going to say that right now. <laughs> what, what, what were you saying about uh, celebrities not wanting to do trivia? Yeah. I just want to say, uh, usually when we do trivia, we have a script in front of us that has all the uh, answers in it. Yes. So. All these answers on I them. I know. There's so many. Who can know all of these things? Uh, Jonathan, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about Billy Joel albums, From Piano Man to an Innocent Man, the video game Red Dead Redemption 2, and High School Chemistry. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, you said you know a lot about the Billy Joel albums, From Piano Man to an Innocent Man. When I was a kid, uh, the soundtrack of my life was mostly Billy Joel records. I think it was my dad who introduced me to Billy Joel, and there was something... I just loved about him. I, I still love him. He's got a great sense for melody. I just saw him at uh, Madison Square Garden uh, not too long ago, and uh, he's, a, he's a delight. He's a charming, he's a charming self-effacing weirdo who also seems very <laughs> surprised uh, to have ended up where, where he is. Um, and what is it about those the albums from that era that covers, I think, nine albums from maybe 70-something to 80-something? Yeah, well, so I'm, I exclude uh, Cold Spring Harbor because uh, Cold Spring Harbor was his first album. It was mastered improperly, and it was, uh, it was mastered at a high speed, and so his voice sounded funny. So, mm-hmm. and uh, uh-huh. it, it was, uh, mm, I didn't like it. And then, <laughs> and he didn't either. And then, I don't know, that was sort of, Innocent Man was where I kind of... Uh, I guess that was when I was I was old enough to start hanging out with kids who thought it was dumb that I liked Billy Joel, and so I think I got a little, <laughs> little shy even about my right about yeah, that. a little shy about my love of Billy Joel at that. All right, point. well, we're we're glad to help you uh, rekindle and celebrate that here today. All right, you also said you know a lot about the video game Red Dead Redemption Two. Tell us about that. Uh, Red Dead Redemption Two is a game that I've been playing where you you're the member of a gang in uh, sort of the 1890s. You're a bad guy. You have a mentor who leads your gang, who's who has these sort of delusions of grandeur, and he starts to sort of lose your confidence. And um, it's an open world game, so and it's beautifully rendered. So you you can just go and ride your horse around in the wilderness, uh, which is mostly what I have been doing. This is my second time <laughs> playing through the game, and uh, I played it the first time for several weeks, and I still feel like I rushed it. Now I'm oh, taking wow. all my time, going wow. to all the places. I'm shooting all the animals, collecting all the skins, <laughs> getting all the clothing, all that stuff. I'm going to I'm going to do it. I'm a completionist this time. <laughs> uh, and then finally you said you know a lot about high school chemistry. 
that era of learning about science was uh, just a very exciting time for me intellectually, I think. There's something about, you know, when you finally look at and understand the periodic table of elements and what all those numbers mean and why they're organized in that way. It's sort of unlocking the clockworks of how the universe works. Mm. It's what yeah. is all this stuff and why does it act the way it does? It's a very, for me, it was a very exciting thing. And it, it just has always stuck with me. And recently, uh, my kids have been asking me, you know, questions about chemistry and how atoms are put together and how what electrons are. And I find that I remember a lot more of it than I thought I did because I really loved it. Do you know the periodic table by heart? No, like, I wouldn't say I know it by heart. I don't, is there I a Tom Lehrer song coming up right now? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I should have memorized that song. That would have prepared me. Yeah. Uh, all right. So to summarize, uh, Jonathan, you said you know a lot about Billy Joel albums from Piano Man to an Innocent Man, the video game Red Dead Redemption 2, and high school chemistry. Today we want to quiz you about... Billy Joel albums, From Piano Man to an Innocent Man. Oh, boy. Yes. Uh, I had that same reaction when you told me this was one of your topics, because when I was in high school, this also was my soundtrack. This mm-hmm. is pretty much, Billy. these Billy Joel albums were all I played in my car. The first CD I ever bought was Billy Joel's Greatest Hits, Volume 1 and 2. Right on. Uh, the second CD I ever bought was the cast album for The Music Man. And that's everything <laughs> you need to know about me. Um, <laughs> do you have a favorite album of, of that era? Uh, you know, I, I keep going back to Glass Houses. I just, I remember getting that as a cassette from that pay a penny and then mm-hmm. you get a bunch of cassettes. Columbia yeah. Music House? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I have a feeling many millions of his albums were sold in that in that way. I also remember getting the, uh, uh, I'm going to get it wrong, but it's something, I think it's called like the Chew Bop. It was a bubblegum record. It literally was a, a record made of bubblegum. It was about this big. Anyone else remember that? I don't remember that. Oh. oh it sounded not great. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, do you see a way that Billy Joel's music from that era has influenced your work as a singer or songwriter? Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think, I, you know, I've stolen a lot of harmonic changes, chord changes from him, mm-hmm. voicings on the piano, a certain way he leads certain voices around. And the way, I, I don't know, for me, the way he connects a melody to a collection of chords is just very strong and very feels very natural and comfortable to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think it definitely has, uh, that that has definitely influenced me for sure. All right. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic of those Billy Joel records to test your mastery in the subject with our expert level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about the topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Ophira, do listen closely because if Jonathan answers incorrectly, you can steal. Ophira, by the way, how much do you know about Billy Joel album from Piano Man to an Innocent Man? I enjoy many of his songs. All right. Well, we'll see if uh, we'll see if that pays off. That might be enough. Uh, yes. Here's question number one. Billy Joel's first Billboard number one hit was a single from the Billboard number one album Glass Houses, in which he inquires about what's the matter with the clothes he's wearing, the car he's driving, and the crowd he's seeing. What is the name of the song where he asked these important questions of the era? This was a song where he was complaining how everybody was talking about this new kind of music. And mm-hmm. to him, it just sounded like rock and roll. And what's the big deal? Because he can play rock and roll. It's called Still Rock and Roll to Me. Ellen? That is correct. That is correct. It's Still Rock and Roll to Me. One point for Jonathan. A uh, fun fact, Weird Al, who we spoke about earlier, wrote a parody of this song called It's Still Billy Joel to Me, but never released it and didn't even bother asking Billy Joel for permission because it didn't seem likely he would get it. <laughs> <laughs> Question number two. In Piano Man, Billy Joel speaks about a few specific people and their occupations. What is the unusual occupation of Paul? I don't actually understand this lyric. Paul uh, was a real estate novelist. Helen? 
That is correct. That is correct. Never had time for a wife. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he had two jobs, apparently. He did. He did. Uh, I, I was reading some interviews about this in preparation for this. I believe what he meant is that he worked in real estate, Paul did, but he wanted. He was an aspiring novelist who, I guess, was still working on his book in the bar or something like that. Right. He meant real, just real estate slash novelist. Is exactly. What he meant. Yeah. Yes. It, it, it's hard to convey a slash in lyric writing. Don't you Indeed. Agree? Yes. I, yeah, right. I do. <laughs> You're two for two. Here's question number three. Of the nine albums in your topic, the best-selling one was The Stranger, certified by the RIAA as Diamond for selling over 10 million copies. Many through the Columbia House, we imagine. <laughs> uh, on the front cover, Billy is shown on a bed looking at an object with another object behind him on a wall. Name either of these two objects. I don't know which one is where, but there is a, I believe there is a mask. There is a white mask. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. It's a mask, a Harlequin mask, in fact, that's on the bed. Uh, behind him on the wall are a pair of boxing gloves, which perhaps are a reference to him uh, having been an amateur boxer. Fun fact, the back cover of The Stranger shows the band and the producer in an Italian restaurant named Guido's, which is not the Italian restaurant that inspired the song Scenes from an Italian Restaurant. Uh, that one is actually called Fontana di Trevi. Both restaurants have since been replaced by office buildings because oh. New York. All right, Jonathan, you are three for three. Here's question number four. By our count, there are about 100 songs on the albums in your topics. Name them. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> in those approximately 100 songs, Billy Joel mentions about two dozen names of people, eight of which are names traditionally given to women. But which of the following is not a name mentioned in the lyrics from the nine albums in your topic? Oh boy. Is it Brenda, Diane, Laura, Mary, Roberta, or Virginia. Okay, so it's not, it's not Roberta. I'm sorry. Can you give them to give them to me again? Of course, sure. It's Brenda. No, Diane. that's in there. Yes, that's okay. in there. Laura, also in there. Mary, not sure. Roberta, Virginia. I think it is Mary. Helen. That is correct. Jonathan Cole oh, yes. for uh, Roberta and Laura uh, are in songs of the same title. Brenda is in Brenda and Eddie in Scenes from an Italian Restaurant. Virginia, Only the Good Die Young. And Diane is in Sleeping with the Television On. All right, you have a chance to go five for five. Uh, here's this next question. I will be especially impressed if you get this. The 1981 album Songs in the Attic features live performances of songs from previous Billy Joel albums recorded at various venues, big and small, around the country. The song Los Angelinos was recorded at a club in New Haven, Connecticut, a venue that is still there today. What is the name of that venue? Boy. You do you know, have a hint available if you'd like to use your first hint. I went to college in New Haven, Connecticut. I, I'm aware. I'm thinking of a venue that I know is still there, but I don't. it seemed like it, was, it would be too small for Billy Joel. Um, I'll take the hint on this one. Helen, how about that first hint for Jonathan Colton? This could be where someone, the wet sprocket, lives. Wow. It is what I was thinking of. It is Toad's Place. Helen? That is correct. Jonathan Colton is five for five. Yeah. Wow. Very, very impressive. Thank you. Well, Jonathan, you obviously did very well in that round, but now here is your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. <laughs> now, usually those oohs are provided by our live audience. Helen, what was that? The ooh sound you heard was compiled from our listeners recording themselves and sending them in to be compiled by another listener, Brandon J. Carr. If you'd like to add your voice, record yourself saying ooh and send it to Brandon at clusterfact2020 at gmail.com. That's clusterfact2020 
2020 at gmail.com. Thank you, all the oohers, and thank you, Brandon. Indeed. All right, Jonathan, back to this. Here's your question. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. The 1983 album, An Innocent Man, featured some notable first-time collaborations for Billy Joel for up to three points. On the Innocent Man album, who became the first person to ever receive a partial songwriting credit on a Billy Joel song? What harmonica legend, who later became knighted in Belgium, played on one of the album's tracks? And what multi-instrumentalist appeared for the first time on a Billy Joel album, playing saxophones and percussion, and is still in the Billy Joel band today? Okay. Okay. Jonathan wiping his brow. This is this is I, a tough one. I mean, after Toad's Place, I don't know, you know, <laughs> just coast as far as I'm concerned. I'm going to say the harmonica player was Toots Thielman. Mm-hmm. The collaborator. So there's there's a song called This Night, and the chorus I believe is uh, is from Beethoven, and and I think as a, as a little joke, I think he credited Beethoven as a mm-hmm. as a co-writer on that song. All right. And the multi-instrumentalist, his name is Richie Cantata. Is that his name? The saxophone? I can't tell you now. Okay, you can't tell me now. <laughs> I think it's Richie Cantata. Is that what you're going to go with? Richie Cantata. That's what I'm going to go. That's what I'm going to go with. It's pronounced that way, too. It's Belgian. Okay, <laughs> very good. Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have? Joining us tonight is an accomplished musical director and multi-instrumentalist who, since 1982, has been part of the Billy Joel Band. It's Mark Rivera. Mark Mark Rivera. Hello, Mark. Welcome to the show. Wonderful to see you. Likewise, good to see you. Hi, Mark. Um, Jonathan, where in Brooklyn are you? Uh, I'm in Park Slope, very near the polluted canal. Yeah, I know. I grew up in uh, Sunset Park. Oh, there you go. Mark, where are you joining us uh, from tonight? I'm joining you from my dentist's home because my Wi Fi sucks. <laughs> okay. What, I, I meant more specifically what part of the, the world, woods. not what occupation owns the home that you're visiting, but we'll oh, take sorry. it. Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, yes. Somers, New York. I'm actually more interested in why you're so tight with your dentist. <laughs> yeah, that's why. They're beautiful. They are beautiful. Yeah. Nice teeth. You know what's weird is our, our podcast listeners can hear how shiny those are. <laughs> no, Joel is just a very dear friend of mine, and he allowed me to come here. We we hang together quite a bit. Our ladies love each other. So anyway, that's got nothing to do with anything we're talking about. That's all right. Before we talk about your work with Billy Joel, I want to mention that uh, you've all also worked with Foreigner, also Hall & Oates, Simon & Garfunkel, Sam & Dave, Peter Gabriel, right. and, and you've been a musical yeah. director for Ringo Starr. Yes, since uh, it's, it's 25 years now. I imagine you wow. did have some of his records when you were in high school. Uh, yeah, I, I had I had his records when I was in elementary school. Oh, wow, okay. Was it a particularly big deal for you to be working with a Beatle? No, it was like nothing. It's like it's like just you and me talking right now. Really? Okay. Really? What kind of a question is that? <laughs> get, buy a grit. Not get a grit. Buy a grit. It's, it was like the most amazing thing. When I saw them on the Ed Sullivan show, it was like just before my 11th birthday. Well, I got to work with John first in 75. I got to work with Paul through Billy. Wow. But in 95, I got to work with with Ringo. It's You talk about a dream coming true. There's, there's nothing that could really, I don't think any of us can say that they're doing something that they thought they might do. A friend of mine said, I, I, I'm like the kid who wants to be your fireman. And every night on stage, you get to ring the bell. Mm. So, so <laughs> What I'm do very you do blessed. as musical director for, uh, for Ringo Starr's band? What does that involve, yes. being a musical director? Uh, I call myself the court cop because I played all these songs when I was a kid. Mm. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, we had Jack Bruce from Cream, Gary Brooker from uh, Procol Harum, 
Felix Cavalier. When I was about 14, 67, all these people, their music was out and I was already playing it in cover bands. Mm. So the first gig that I did with him, the first rehearsal, Felix Cavalier was supposed to be the MD, but he didn't know the other people's songs like I did. So one question was like, well, what's that next chord? And bring us to just ask Mark, he knows <laughs> expert, expert of everything. So I became the MD. Basically, it's telling people um, distributing vocal parts and things like that. Got it. It's a blast. It, it, it must be a dream come true. Uh, for, so people, even if they're not Billy Joel fans, they might not realize it, but they've definitely heard your work. Uh, tell us about uh, some of the iconic things you've done with Peter Gabriel, for instance. The song Sledgehammer, uh, Peter was at the other side of the glass, and they only had a, a backing track. They hadn't even had the lyrics written yet. And uh, Peter pressed the, the talk back button and says, play the first thing that comes into your head, mate. And I swear that the first thing I played was... Ba -ba -da -da -ba -da -ba -da. Oh, wow. <laughs> You're kidding. But, uh, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. It, 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 was it was pretty cool. And the funny thing is, I'll tell you a little secret, Jonathan. You talk about stealing or learning from the best. Yeah. If you listen to Superstition and then listen to that, you'll know where I got the licks from. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's in the same key, and my body resonates. The, 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 I don't have perfect pitch, but I have very good relative pitch. And it was an E-flat, as most CD Wonders stuff is. And um, I just went with it. Wow. wow. It was the first thing to come to my mind. That's amazing. That is so cool. Absolutely. <laughs> it was cool. And Jonathan, God willing, will be back at the garden. Hopefully we'll do what we're told to do. Keep socially distant. And I'm not going to get into political crap, uh, rap, but most importantly, that we all look out for each other. Because this time is making us all realize how much we are one United States. And, here, here. Uh, I love New York. I love this country. Uh, I want to get back and play. I need it more than anybody knows. Well, I'm sure there, there are millions of people out there who would love to uh, be seeing you play live again, and hopefully that will be happening soon. Um, you know, it, it's incredible for me personally to be able to talk to you because I have seen you play live at Madison Square Garden before and at, and at other venues uh, around, around the country. Um, but it's interesting that you, you were saying you didn't have a Billy Joel album before you joined the band. How did you come to uh, join on the, you started on the Nylon Curtain tour before you played yes. on, on any of the records. Yes. And you actually had to audition for the band even though you had no, been, absolutely. even though you had been as prolific as you were. Tell us about what that audition process was like. Uh, I'd already played with David Brown, the guitar player, for, uh, and Doug Stegmeyer, who unfortunately has passed. We had done a bunch of gigs together. And at about the time of the Nile Curtain, Billy decided he wanted to move on. Billy and Richie just decided they were just to part ways. And that and was Richie Kanata that Jonathan had, had, Richie had gotten Kanata. a little mixed yes, up with. Yeah. Yes. No, but we, well, he was a sax player that I played, uh, played all those great solos. I don't take anything away from anyone. He's, mm -hmm. uh, he was there in, in, from, from uh, early on. So the, the audition was how to learn only the good die young and just the way you are. So we're at the, at the rehearsal studio to play just, we do only the good, da, 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 the whole thing. And the next song is, well, let's play just the way you are. And now I pick up my alto and I play, ba -da -ba -ba -da, play the play the solo. And at the end, it's really just, stop, stop. He, he runs up to me, I think to myself, geez, I screwed up that badly. And he walks up to me and said, he gave me a kiss and says, as long as you want to be in my band, you'll have a place on my, on my stage. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. He kept his word, and I think I'm keeping mine. Yeah, so. I would say, I would say. <laughs> so. Wait, Billy Joel kissed you at the end of your audition? That's how great you were. <laughs> well, he thought so. Yeah, <laughs> it also was the '80s, Helen, when you were allowed to do those things. Still. <laughs> yeah, but we, 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 <laughs> 
Billy has not written or at least publicly performed many new songs in the last, what, 20 or 30 years? 27, 28 years, something yeah, like that. So how, how many years is it, Jonathan? You would know better than I do. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. don't know exactly, but it's around that. <laughs> yeah. So is it, is it a challenge to make the songs new to you uh, if you don't have new things to learn? Yeah. Not at all. T- tell us about what that's like. It's the greatest thing in the world. We're playing, the, especially at the Garden. It's the greatest venue in the universe in mine and many in most everyone's opinion i mean as a kid we always thought oh sunday i'll play the garden now i'm playing there once a month but we'll mm. hopefully get back to that once a month as as tony bennett calls billy and this is to your point jonathan about his his, his melodic interpretations his chord structures tony bennett calls billy joe the walking american songbook mm. which is a pretty amazing thing coming from an icon like that so how do I make it new? I just embrace the fact that I'm still on that stage after all these years. So, and, and every every night it's new. The first, the, as soon as the first piano chord, mm. as soon as the lights come up, it's it's brand spanking new. And if it can't, if it isn't new to you every night, you should check your pulse because mm. you're, you're you're not you're not there. Have you since the quarantine started? Have you been playing music over Zoom like the rest of us have been taking? Like no. <laughs> No, no I, ha- I haven't. Honestly, for two reasons. A, my, my internet sucks, so I have to go somewhere. If, if Joe lets me come over and use his, his, uh, his internet. No, but I, I have a project that I'm doing with um, my friend Jimmy Braylauer. He produced my record years ago, and we're doing some new stuff. One of the tunes on the record is really uh, pertinent right now. I'm going out of my mind. My wife is ready to kill me. I haven't been able to play practice, but like that's that's it's very difficult not to be performing. I mean, it's one thing mm. to play, I get pick up a guitar, but not to have the interaction with people. I think we're all, self-isolation is one thing, but uh, self, self-distancing self rather, but this isolation thing is very difficult. And that's, a, that's the hardest part of it all, that we don't jump mm. the gun too quickly. Especially when you play a dozen different instruments. <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah. got to do something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Jonathan. First, we wanted to know on the Innocent Man album, who was the first person to ever receive a partial songwriting credit on a Billy Joel song? Helen, what did Jonathan Colton say? Jonathan said Beethoven. And Mark Rivera? L- Ludwig von himself. <laughs> Correct. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Very good. He was credited, uh, as Jonathan mentioned, as L.V. Beethoven on the uh, on the record. And, and I'm sure he's collecting royalties from ASCAP to this very day. Uh, all right. The second question that we asked of Jonathan was what harmonica legend who later became knighted in Belgium played on one of the album's tracks? Helen, what did Jonathan say? Jonathan said Toot Spielman. And Mark Rivera? It is Toot Spielman, and he is absolutely right. One of the most amazing harmonica plays ever. Well done, Jonathan. Well done. That's a point for Jonathan. That was on the track Leave a Tender Moment Alone. And finally, we wanted to know what multi-instrumentalist appeared for the first time on a Billy Joel album playing saxophones and percussion and is still in the Billy Joel band today. Helen, you have to say it. What did Jonathan Colton say? Jonathan said Richie Cantata. And uh, Mark Rivera? Uh, <laughs> beep, I'm glad beep. we're on mute because uh, Jonathan uh, Mark is uh, Jonathan, being very animated. Jonathan, think about it. Uh, if you bat six sixty six, which is what you're about to say, you two out of three, you'd be in the Hall of Fame. But no, it was me, Mark Rivera. <laughs> it was you, Mark Rivera. <laughs> uh, Jonathan, we, Jonathan, but before we go very quickly, is there anything you'd like to ask or uh, say to Mr. Rivera while we have him here? Yeah, I want to say I saw you. I saw you play uh, just a few months ago in Madison Square Garden, and it was a real pleasure. You played flute with the sound guy's daughter, or something like that. Brian Ruggles' daughter, uh, Sydney. 
Yes. Yeah. She, she, uh, we played double flute on, on only always a woman. It was really fun. And I got, I got to tell you the the my favorite thing about watching you play is how much fun you were clearly having up there. And I get it. <laughs> I mean, I'd be having a blast too, but it, it's really like, you know, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that it's real, that it's real, that it's real fun that you're having. Oh, absolutely. It sure looks like it, man. It sure looks great. Well, I appreciate that, John. It, it really is. That's something that you, I'm blessed to have this opportunity like I said, I get to ring the fire bell every night. Yeah, right. Hey. Well, I feel very blessed to have had you on the show, Mark. If people want to find out more about you or your work, where can they go? Come up to Brewster. Okay. <laughs> Just look for the dentist's no, house. No, you're right. Yeah, uh, on markrivera.com or Mark Rivera Music on Instagram and um, Corel Semi. I don't even know. Facebook, so. Mark, I, I don't know. Tell your dentist excellent work mm-hmm. i will tell him your, i said that your teeth <laughs> are that, your right? teeth are really perfect really nice yes, teeth. and that's well, really what <laughs> podcasts are all about <laughs> mark rivera everybody thank you again so much what an honor and a pleasure Peace helen, so much. thank you all thank for having you, me thank you thank you helen thank what you. is our score at the end of that round at the end of that round jonathan colton has seven points and ophira eisenberg has zero points with a round of questions for ophira coming up that's right we're going to talk with ophira about a topic she knows about Plus later, Jonathan and Ophira go head-to-head in our Fast Facts round, all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. Strange planets, curious technology, and a fantastic vision of the distant future. Featuring Martin Starr. So we're going on day 14. Shuttle still hasn't come. Aparna Nancherla. The security system provides you with emotional security. You do the rest. Echo Kellum. Can you disconnect me or not? Hurry Kondabolu. I'm staying. From Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Jeffrey McGiver. Could you play Cindy Lauper's Girls Just Want to Have Fun? It's The Outer Reach. Stories from Beyond. Now available for free at MaximumFun.org or anywhere you listen. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Jonathan Colton with seven points and Ophira Eisenberg with zero points. Once again, here's Jakey Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Ophira, let's get some points on the board for you. You know, on our show, we kind of hide the points so everyone <laughs> always feels good. Uh-huh. <laughs> on our show, we let the guests pick the topics for themselves, so they should do at least pretty well. Oh, boy. I know, I know. <laughs> Uh, knowing about things that is so last year i know so 2019 <laughs> so, so so going out in public isn't it uh, all right ophir of your many interests you told us you know a lot about the movie raiders of the lost ark the tv show three's company and splenectomies let's find out a little sure. bit more about each of those first you said you know a lot about the movie raiders of the lost ark it's my favorite movie i have watched it many many times when i feel sad i watch it when i feel Happy, I watch it. <laughs> when I feel like I just need a break from everything and to remind myself what uh, a good movie that is specifically for me is, I watch mm-hmm. it. Also, I maybe modeled my early adult life off of the role of Marion Ravenwood, uh, <laughs> especially when she comes, she drinks all the Nepalese bar and wins the drinking contest. Mm-hmm. And then Indiana Jones walks in, she punches him in the face. I was like, that's who I want to be. That's my first idea of a idol, of a female how, uh, character. How old were you when you first saw it? 
Good question. I didn't see it in the theaters or anything. Uh, I feel like I was pretty, though I feel like I was pretty young. Like, I feel like I was, I don't know, 10 years old. Was it Love at First Sight? Like, the first time you saw it, you were like, oh. Yeah, it did. I mean, the adventure aspect of it just totally gripped me, and I'd never seen anything like it. And it is a great adventure movie, and obviously, there's so many uh, people that came out of that movie that you're like, I mean, Alfred Molina always sticks in my mind um, as someone that I was like, oh, I love love that role and then later in life meeting him and I was I you know basically made him sign a piggy bank I have of the golden fertility idol that they are trying to get at the beginning scene uh, and I had him sign you know uh, uh, throw me you know throw me the whip and I'll throw you the idol and he said that was the first time anyone had ever asked him to do that oh so, wow yeah you, you were the so pioneer nice. yeah all right you also said you know a lot about the tv show three's company Okay, so that one, the knowledge might have been stretched a little bit. You Ah. know, I have a very, I just haven't watched it since I watched it, which was when I was a kid. But I will say also, it just, that that means a lot to me because weirdly, I don't know what your family was like, but we were allowed to watch television as a family at dinner. Mm. Wow. I think that would have improved our family if we'd been able to do that. and And what was on? was Three's Company. We always ate dinner and watched Three's Company. And again, um, you know, it's a pretty, it's a farce. uh, And I loved it. And of course, I wanted to be not a Janet and not uh, the Suzanne Somers blonde Mm -hmm. variation. I wanted to be Jack Tripper. He was the, yeah. You wanted to be a gay man. (laughs) <laughs> well, no, he was a straight man pretending oh, to me, be you're gay right, so right. he could live. In, yes. yes. You wanted to be someone who pretended to be a gay man in order to have a reduced rent. A- am I not? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, now you were watching this growing up in Canada. Did, did, did that give yeah. you a sense of what you thought America was going to be like? You know what? Because it was, well, the only, I guess I thought all of America was sunny because that was set mm-hmm. in uh, Santa Monica, California. And so it was all this beach. Everyone was always wearing bikinis. Like, I trust me, in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, there was almost no need to ever wear a bikini like you, you would really uh, there was at a beach landlocked cold you know, mm-hmm. like, so it, it did feel like this very shiny tropical optimistic world mm. that that was also weird that i mean i was like why i did not as a kid i did not understand the premise about why can't this guy just live with these two women yeah yeah <laughs> yeah seems, seems, i remember seeing that thinking that was weird as well finally ophira you said you know a lot about splenectomies <laughs> well you know about the things that you've had to go through isn't that right jay keith <laughs> i don't sure. even know i don't even know what a splenectomy is I'm going to assume then we won't be finding out any more about it. Um, <laughs> will you spl- Will you enlighten us? <laughs> I mean, a splenectomy is just sort of the broad term for a, uh, a surgical operation or just a situation that you might find yourself in when you do longer have a spleen. It was removed. Oh. Uh, having your spleen removed is a splenectomy. It can be surgical in different ways. Uh, for me, I ruptured my spleen as a kid in a car accident. Oh. I don't have one. Uh, and, you know, I, I take a lot of pride in it. And over the years, I found out that there's a lot of other people that have had their spleens removed. And you know what? I've never met one I didn't like. Oh, really? Can you Can you give us yeah. a few names? A lot of hockey players. <laughs> Seriously. Well, you a did lot grow up people, in Canada, but yes. A lot of hockey yeah. players, but a lot of athletes mm-hmm. because of, of impact. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. it's, 
Ayurvedic medicine, Eastern medicine, associates the spleen with boredom. Ah. And so uh, I feel like not having that also makes me need just like loads of um, simu- stimulation all the time. <laughs> yeah. That's so, that's why. So have you ever missed your spleen? Did you ever feel you know deficient in any way? I mean, only re- when there's like a pandemic and people tell you that you're in a high, a different group. Yeah, but how often does that happen? <laughs> really rarely. Super Wait, so rarely. I feel like I would have figured out what it was if it had been called a spleenectomy, but it's not a spleenectomy. It's I know. Splenectomy. I know. I they hate, also remove that second E when they do the procedure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So to summarize, Ophiria, of your many interests, you said you know a lot about the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark, the TV show Three's Company, and splenectomies. Today, we're going to quiz you about Three's Company. Three's Company, yes. perfect. The only one that I said I don't know as much about. I'm ready. <laughs> that was that. I found out. But it's my love. It's exactly. Fun. It's a love, and and uh, we're here to celebrate your love. Uh, do, do you have any favorite episodes or moments that you remember? You know, there is a moment when Jack is trying different remedies to help Chrissy with um, uh, hiccups. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're doing like you know, there's all these different remedies. And at one point, they it's um, that you're supposed to. Um, you're supposed to drink backwards. Have you mm-hmm. ever tried that one? Uh, yeah. that is, that's backwards? the one that I recommend as yeah. well. Yes. It, it works. Yeah. yeah, right. So he does a demonstration about it. And he does it, you know, in the way that it doesn't make any sense. And I just remember like, you know, there was milk everywhere. And I thought that was so funny <laughs> that he did it in like a contorted way. Uh, I'll, also, I just remember that uh, I loved the Regal Beagle. And he worked, uh, they, he didn't work there, but they would go hang out there. And Lonnie Anderson from WKRP did mm. a surprise appearance at one point as his ex-girlfriend. It wasn't a very good episode, but I was like, oh, Lonnie Anderson, because I also <laughs> loved WKRP in Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah. And you knew enough to differentiate between a good episode of Three's Company and not such a good episode of Three's Company. Right, right. Yeah. I think the good ones were the first three. And then after that, no, <laughs> yeah, there, was, there was plenty of good All ones. right. Well, just ahead, we're going to the help of a bona fide expert in the topic with our three-part question. But before that, to give you a chance to show off, here are five trivia questions about the topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed to hint for two of any of these five questions. Jonathan, do listen closely because you can steal if Ophira gets any wrong. Jonathan, by the way, how much do you know about Three's Company? Uh, I also liked the show when I was a kid, but I haven't seen it since since then, so not much. Okay, well, this will be a test of long-term memories for both of you. <laughs> Here's question number one. He appeared on every episode and was the only person to win an Emmy Award for his work on Three's Company. Who is he? An Emmy for his work on Three's Company. He appeared on every episode? Every episode. Every single one? This is question number one, which is usually the easy one. Say again, please. John Ritter. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. It was John Ritter. I got a little nervous for you for a second. (laughs) Fun fact, he was also nominated for his work on Eight Simple Rules and Hooperman. Uh, By the way, the show was nominated for five Emmys. Two of those nominations went to John Ritter. Uh, Joyce DeWitt, who played Janet, of course, also appeared on every episode. Uh, Yes. Here is question number two. I have a feeling you might get this one correct. There were only three main sets on Three's Company, the roommate's apartment, their landlord's apartment, and a neighborhood bar called what? The Regal Beagle. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. That's short-term memory working for you as well. Well, you know, I remember a bar. <laughs> can, I please, can I please give the hint? Yes, yeah, so you did not need the hint, but if you had needed it, Helen, okay. what would that have been? It's not the roll dog bulldog. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Oh, uh, it's a very you know good what? hint. I, I, 
I have to ask for hints. I have to ask for hints. Well, not, not, yeah. but we'll, we'll, if, if they're particularly good, we'll give them to you in, uh, anyway. Okay. Anyway, right. you're doing quite well. They're here's, not always that fun. They're not always that fun, no. That's a good one. All right, here's question number three. Three's Company is a classic American sitcom, but it started as a British one. What was the name of the British sitcom on which Three's Company was based? I think, actually, in British television, there was many sitcoms and shows that were also based on this original work. It was like a man around the house or a man, maybe it's a man around the house, a man around the house. Helen? I'm going to give it to you. Okay. Okay. It's man about the house. Man about the house. I should should have made it British. Yes. Or or to make it Canadian, man man about the house. (laughs) Man about the house. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Very good. Uh, By the way, the the very first episode of Street's Company was titled A Man About the House. It was very directly based on that. Ophira, you're three for three. I know they find him in the shower. They find him in the shower in the first episode. I mean, because you know how that works. What's a man doing in the shower? (laughs) Question number four. By our count, four Emmy-winning actors made guest appearances on Three's Company, but which of the following Emmy winners did not appear on the show? Was it mm. Lucille Ball, James Cromwell, John Larroquette, Shelley Long, or Jeffrey Tambor? John Larroquette. I'm just getting them. Uh, Tambor, and who was in between those was, two? Uh, again, Lucille Ball, James Cromwell, Sorry. John Larroquette, Shelley Long, or Jeffrey Long. Tambor. Let's see. I'm going to say Jeffrey Tambor, no. Uh, Meaning that I'm, is not the correct answer. Uh, no, I'm saying that he did not, uh, right, he did not appear. Okay, now you do have two hints available if you'd like to use one of those hints. Okay, I guess I should. Gee, okay, I, mean, I would like I would like a hint, please. Okay, wow, I w- didn't see that coming. Helen, how about that first hint? Jeffrey Tambor did appear on the show. Oh, Excellent use well. of the hint. <laughs> <laughs> Great. James Conroe. Shelley Long, I feel like... That doesn't seem like a good fit. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Oh, nice. Shelley Long Lucille did not Ball. appear. I wish I, I, I have to go find the Lucille Ball episode. Yes. Uh, well, Lucille Ball actually introduced the best of show in the final season. She was an idol uh, and uh, mentor, I believe, of John Ritter. Uh, fun fact, Jeffrey Tambor played at least three different characters on the show. And oh, actually my starred in the spinoff show, The Ropers. Oh. <laughs> Ophira, you also have a chance to go five for five. I also think this one is difficult, but then again, I also thought Toad's Place was difficult, so who knows? All right. Here we go, your question number five. The Three's Company theme song is a TV classic. It was composed by Joe Raposo, who also composed the themes for Sesame Street and The Electric Company, but who are one of the two singers who perform the theme song? Oh my goodness, Ray Charles. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, wow. I, I, do, I do remember at some point just that song because I heard it so many times and I was curious. I was like, so I got it. And then I was like, Ray of Ray Charles all these years as a kid. Ophira Eisenberg is five for five, ladies and <laughs> wow. gentlemen. What a game we have. Uh, by the way, tough, that was a really hard one. That really one, was. Uh, the other you singer, just... by the way, is named Julia Rinker. Uh, and Ray Charles that uh, we're discussing is not the famous Ray Charles rhythm and blues singer. He actually was another Ray Charles who was an Emmy winning choral director, lyricist, and composer who worked for a long time with Perry Como. Uh, and he was very happy to be known as the other Ray Charles. The other Ray Charles. The other Ray Charles. Wow. Did not fool you much on that one. Uh, you obviously <laughs> did very well in that round. But here now is your well, expert Well, that was level. lucky. 
That was lucky. I don't know how this is going to go. <laughs> there you are again being the celebrity that doesn't want to do trivia. We appreciate that. I'm scared. We appreciate it. All right, here we go. I'm vulnerable. <laughs> uh, I, I wish I could hug you. That's a, As a general rule, that's the case. All right. Yes. And now, Ophira, here's your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. Nice. Oh, we'll be bringing on an expert <laughs> to assess your response. For many viewers, the main reason to watch Three's Company was Suzanne Summers, who played Chrissy. For up to three points, what was Chrissy's full first name, her middle name, and her last name? Chris, okay, this is what I do know. Okay. Her, Chrissy was short for Christmas. Okay. And then Snow. <laughs> Snow is her middle name? No, Snow was Snow was her last name. Okay, Christmas. But I, you're saying she had a middle name. She had a middle name. Mm, middle name. I don't know. Uh, Christmas T Snow. I I I will have to just guess on that one. You're guessing, but I know tea as your as her middle name. Yeah. Okay, okay. Let's take it. Let's take it seriously. Let's Christmas it to you know, but that would be weird. They would probably make it cute. How about Christmas W Snow? Christmas, Christmas with Snow. W Snow. <laughs> All right, Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an extra on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is a prolific author, entrepreneur, and actor who played Chrissy on Three's Company. What? It's Suzanne Summers. Suzanne Summers. Oh, are Suzanne you Summers, are you there? <laughs> a long, long time ago, I came to one of your book signings, and I have, I do, I, I have it on my shelf, and I have a signed. It meant a lot to me. That, that means a lot to me. And I'm married to a Canadian. <gasps> well done. A, a Canadian Jewish <laughs> game show host, in fact, like yourself, Ophira. That's kind. Uh, are you... You're so gorgeous. You're so yeah. glamorous. You're, well, you're, you. you don't thank look you. like you're quarantining at all. No. Actually, actually um, Alan and I are having a really good time. <laughs> and um, stick your head in here. Okay. Here's, the, here's my, my, my live-in Canadian. Hi. This is Hi. Alan. Hi. How are you? Hi, oh, Al. I know. And Canadians are still mad at me for bringing him to um, Los Angeles, although um, uh, we get back there a lot. So what, what, what we do is we uh, have been drinking a lot. I'm actually not kidding. Ah. In my yeah. favorite glass, yeah. yes. this is Baccarat. There's something nice about the hand. Mm-hmm. I had 12. I got Dinah Shore. None of you remember who Dinah Shore was. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Of course. Dinah Shore gave me these glasses when we got married. We've been together 50 years. Wow. So she wow. gave them when we get married 43 years ago. We've been together 50. We practiced for the first summer. <laughs> <laughs> I had 12, and now I have four, and I covet them. By the so. way, the AAU meeting starts in 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I never drank until a few years ago. And I found any time I ate yeast or sugar or anything, I would bloat like crazy. And, and so my kids said, well, you should drink tequila because there's little to no sugar. So that's when I started drinking, and I liked it. That is a good kid. I like that kid. <laughs> and, then so, and then so with the, this whole pandemic thing, and we've been doing this for a while, I do three Facebook Live shows a week from Big Al's Bar here at our house. Nice. And in fact, we inv- we've invited people over, come over and have a drink at Big Al's Bar, and we get calls going, I'm looking this up on my GPS, I can't find it anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and what I found was that I have a large constituency, thank you for mentioning the book, 
And so now we were doing one a week, and then they asked if we could do two a week, and now we do three a week. Everybody in America is invited to our Friday night cocktails party at Big Al's Bar. And it's oh, my God, I'm coming. Yes. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. Five o'clock uh, uh, California time, so... You both look amazing. Yeah, yeah. Drunk all the time. We're very, very happy. <laughs> we've actually we've actually been quarantined. I'm not kidding. We have not spent one night apart in over forty years. No, we haven't. No, and we haven't. because we're in business we're together, we're together twenty four hours a day. Right. Well, sometimes Great. it works. So we're like soulmates. Great. I think we're, we're real soulmates. Yeah. Really I mean, works. other people would stab each other, but no, not you guys. I actually miss him if he's in the other room. It's kind of crazy. Oh, so. that's oh very my God. Yeah, how nice. So I have to go now. Okay, goodbye. All right, bye, Helen Hamill. <laughs> Suzanne, uh, Suzanne, I wanted to ask you, Ophira mentioned your book. You're actually the author of over 25 books. You've sold over 25 million copies, some New York Times bestselling books as well. Uh, but I understand you actually started writing uh, as a result of, of therapy. Well, I, you know, I always wrote, um, I, I, I had a, a very difficult childhood, and so I would always go and work out my feelings through writing. After I got fired from Three's Company, God, I couldn't get a job anywhere. I got fired because I wanted to be paid commensurate with the men, and my contract was up. And at that time, they um, didn't like the idea that we women should get paid commensurate with men. And really what I was asking for was, I'm asking to be paid according to who sells the most tickets, and I was selling the most tickets. I mean, my demographics were the highest of any woman in television, hmm. and our show was number one. kind of makes mm -hmm. sense that, you know, all the men were getting paid 10 to 15 times more, including John Ritter. And so when we went in, well, he went in, him being Al, to renegotiate, he said, you were fired when I walked in. He said, I didn't get a chance to say what I wanted, which was going to be very reasonable. Well, I think it's interesting, if I can just interrupt one, one moment, I, I was interesting what I read, just to give you a sense of how little they were taking your request seriously. I read that you, you asked for $120,000 more per episode, and they offered five. Yeah, five, that was yeah. That. So it's sort of a um, middle yeah, finger. Exactly, yeah, you not exactly meeting that. you in the middle, more meeting you at the middle finger. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, at that time, Alan went to the, the meeting in the morning, he uncharacteristically stopped at the, the door when he went out, and he said, this could all blow out of the water. I said, no, it's a negotiation. We ask for this, they come back, we mm -hmm. counter, we meet somewhere in the middle, and then we're all happy. So there were no cell phones at the time. And I'm waiting at home, and the hours went by slowly. And then all of a sudden, we lived in a multi-tiered house at the beach, Venice Beach, California. There's a way <laughs> the front door opens when it's good news, and there's a way it opens when it's bad news. Bad news is opens real slow. And then I heard him <laughs> padding up the stairs, a stair at a time. So I met him. <laughs> but at the time, they went out with their... I met him at the landing, and he looks at me, and he says, you're out. And I said, I'm out? What do you mean I'm out? Mm. He said, you're out. You were, you were out when I walked in the door. They had already decided they were going to make you the example so no other woman in television would have the audacity to ask for this. So, you know, if the Me Too movement had been then, I would now own ABC. Voices. I think if we could... Yeah, I, mine, mine's strong when I drink vodka. <laughs> Try tequila. The voice is really fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's very psychedelic. <laughs> anyway, the voice said, why are you focused on what you don't have? Why don't you focus on what you do have? 
now I'm talking to this voice in my head. I said, what, what do I have? And the voice answers and says, you have enormous visibility. Everybody knows your name, not only in this country, but around the world in most countries, because his company was everywhere. And so I said to Alan, you know, I'd really love to do a Vegas act. And uh, I've got this, this heft of this name and this curiosity. So Alan went to Vegas, and it's a longer story than this, but he made me a two-year deal at the MGM Grand Hotel. Two years later, <laughs> I'm walking on stage being presented the Las Vegas Female Entertainer of the Year Award, <gasps> along with, Jonathan, you're going to freak out, <laughs> Frank Sinatra, who was the Las Vegas oh Male Entertainer. Wow! <laughs> wow! He called me baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, wow. you know, I think sometimes the worst things that happen to us in life are really our opportunities if we choose to look at it that way. And then I went, I left Vegas and went back to television. I did Step by Step for seven years. And I had nothing to do when I was out on the road with my, my act because we toured all the time. And so that's when I started writing books and found I really took to it. And so this is my latest book. It's been out a few months, mm -hmm. A New Way to Age. You're all a lot younger than I am, but I'm really liking the way I age. And I think that you will want to read this to know what you could start doing now so that your endpoint is not the present paradigm that is so unattractive. Because the present paradigm is decrepit, frail, um, one of the big three, heart disease, cancer, Alzheimer's, or all three, and then the eventual endpoint of the nursing home. And I realize you don't have to accept that, but you've got to start making the right choices now. The only bad thing I do relative to diet is my tequila. And I have one every night, and I really, really enjoy it. And there's little to no sugar, so shut up. Yes, indeed. Well, if, uh, if, you, if you have advice that makes people look and and uh, be as sharp as you and your husband are uh, right now, well, I, you, you definitely are a good source to go to for that. I wish I had Sold. a tequila right don't now. You? Yeah. Don't you? Yeah. I wish I could share mine, and, and mine's almost gone. So that's all in this book, how we degrade and how to trick the body into putting everything back so the body goes, well, this person's still young and healthy. <laughs> that's what it is. That sounds great. Yeah. You've obviously done a lot of different uh, businesses and had, a, had a, a great spirit of entrepreneurship in your time. With, yeah. uh, you've got a, a beauty line and many other businesses. Mm -hmm. uh, but you were seeking out a way to brand even in the Three's Company days. And, uh, and you were telling me earlier that you were surprised that they weren't taking advantage of the hot show but they were the hot brand that they had. They were, they were nuts all the way around. Man, did they not get business. I have this incredible organic skincare line, hair care organic makeup, organic to toxic-free household cleaning products, because I believe in it. To connect that to what I'm doing today as a successful entrepreneur with over a thousand products, I, um, we went to the producers of Three's Company and said, she's a walking brand. I didn't own Three's Company, so I couldn't do this on my own. I had to do it with them. She's a walking brand. She, I mean, every little girl wants her T-shirts, her short shorts, her knee socks, her wedge shoes. Roller skates. Roller skates, snap-on ponytails. I mean, that would have gone through the roof. And then I went another time. I said, Christy Snow should be a Saturday morning animated cartoon. I was just going to suggest that. I could totally see that. In, I mean, imagine with the ponytails. Yeah, and then do the big pink cheeks, and, and um, yeah. they just didn't get it. And what, what also happened was Alan and I pissed them off. 
And um, because it was like, can you just shut up and just do the show? And the, <laughs> and the one producer said, screaming at me one day, this show is not about business. It's about the show. And I thought, mm, wow, I yeah. think it's called show business. Business, show business. But there was another element. And I think this is an, an interesting other element. My only acting experience <laughs> uh, before Three's Company was I had the lead in Guys and Dolls as Adelaide in high school. Wow. And I started working as an extra in movies. And that's how I ended up being chosen to be the blonde and the Thunderbird in American Graffiti. And I was writing at the time, it was 1973. I wrote a book called uh, Touch Me, uh, Poems. I was really writing about my uh, you know, feelings and emotions and sadnesses and triumphs. And I was in love with Alan Hamill now. Mm. Just so in love with him. I met him on a game show. I was hired as the prize model. He was the game show guy. I got fired that day, but the host asked me. I thought I was so in love with him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I read in the trades that they were looking for a girl, a guest starring one time on a show called uh, Lots of Luck with Dom DeLuise. I don't know anything except there are all these girls who look like me, only much better. And they walk in and they sign in and then the receptionist gave them a script. So I read for Sam Denoff and when I finish, he goes, very nice. And I'm thinking, I know, I'm a small town girl. I don't know who I am and I don't know what I look like. <laughs> he said, I'm going to give you a call back. And I said, thank you. So I go out to the receptionist and I said, I have a call back. She goes, well, good for you. And I said, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting in the commissary. It's now about 3.30. I'm all by myself. Alan's on, in the parking lot. I'm just sitting there waiting for my callback, and in walks Johnny Carson. And I look over and I think, oh my God, oh my God, there's Johnny Carson, there's Johnny Carson, there's Johnny Carson, he's he walking over to me? And Johnny Carson walks up to me and he says, hey little lady, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I have a callback, because you know, now I have lingo. <laughs> 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 and um, I tell him, he goes, oh, Don's a good friend of mine, I hope you get it. Now at that point, I'd already gotten my first little, little flimsy, Book of Poetry, 1973. and um, oh, I, I remember this now. Yeah, I'd gotten this published. And then I only had one credit, which was Mysterious Blonde in the Thunderbird. So I just like hand it to Johnny, like shove it in his face because I don't have an 8 by 10 That was Wednesday, Friday night of that week. I was booked for my first national television appearance. And I'm standing behind that famous curtain hoping I don't throw up. And I hear Johnny Carson say, well... We've all been wondering who the mysterious blonde in the Thunderbird is. And I'm thinking, you were? I hadn't even seen it. I couldn't afford to go. <laughs> and he said, well, we found her. And the curtain opens, and I walk out. And I had no idea of the impact of George Lucas and American Graffiti. Yeah. The audience went, woo. And Johnny just loved me. And so he started having me come on every month, reading him poetry. And he would do face tapes to his isolated camera. And through all of one of or many of those appearances, uh, Fred Silverman, who was the president of ABC at that time, they had hired two Chrissy Snows. They didn't test well. And Fred Silverman said, I got the girl. I see her on The Tonight Show all the time. So then I get the part on Three's Company. And I, stupidly, but I'm a small town girl. I don't know who I am. I don't know what I look like. I say on day one of Three's Company, I just want you all to know, I don't know what I'm doing. The only acting experience I've ever had was I was Adelaide in the high school play in Guys and Dolls. You know, it's there's a there's an advantage to not knowing anything because then you just really 
are it. You guys are just reacted. Yeah. And I think what's yeah. what's so amazing also is that you you all didn't meet or work together until that first day of shooting. That first day. So, wow. So when when I I took whatever they offered me, I, I would I would have done it for free. But year six. Yeah, I've been much. on every year at least 55 national magazine covers, including Newsweek, which was the biggest uh, national magazine at the time, and featured on uh, uh, 2020 and Barbara Walters. Yeah. 60 Minutes, I was featured on 60 Minutes, and like really, it, it went from zero to, to, to yeah. high octane. The trajectory was made for jealousy. And, but the guy, the, the mm. producer, of Three's Company took me under his wing, for which I'll always be grateful. But what I did not realize was that he fell in love with me, like Professor Henry Higgins with Eliza Doolittle. And I didn't had no idea, because I'm a small town girl, I don't know who I am, I don't know what I look like. I really was Chrissy Snow. And then I tell him one day, guess what? I'm gonna marry Alan Hamill. And he grew to hate Alan Hamill. Oh, how could you hate Alan Hamill? <laughs> how could you hate Alan Hamill unless you got, you you want Al, Alan Hamill's girl, but I don't know that. And so this all came out at the meeting at ABC oh, when Alan walked in and this guy smoked a cigarette like a joint and he throws the cigarette on the ground, stomps it out in the office with his foot, leans over Alan Hamill and says, you want me to share my blood with her? And Alan said, yes. And, and, and that's when I was fired. Wow. So, so there are a lot of, lot of layers. Yeah, I should say, I could, hear the, I could hear these stories all night. We do have to get to the reason that we brought you here as far oh, as right. our, our game is concerned. Yeah, <laughs> oh, remember? Right. Well, yeah, I know. Sorry. No, I'm, sorry. I'm sitting here just, I'm so sitting here just slack-jawed, and there's so many more things <laughs> I want to ask you about. But, but uh, yeah, we do have a – I think we're running out of internet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, Suzanne, you heard the questions that we asked of Ophira. We wanted to know yeah. what was uh, your character Chrissy's uh, first full name. Uh, what what was the answer that Ophira gave us, Helen? Ophira said Christmas. And Suzanne Summers? That was her first name. That was her first name. There's a point right. for Ophira. Very good. Yeah. Next, oh, we wanted yeah. to know what Chrissy's middle name was. Helen, what did Ophira say? Ophira said W. And Suzanne Summers? She, uh, I'm sorry, you're wrong. <laughs> no, no. I know. I know. What, what, what was it? Noel. Noel. Oh, Christmas. right. You were on the right track. Oh, it did fit in. So nice. Yes. And I hope you don't mind my saying when I asked you about this earlier, you said, Suzanne Summers, that you did not know that. I did not know. You, no, you okay. told me today, and I went, yes. oh, thank you. I don't even remember yes. an episode where it even yes. came up. I have no yes. recall so that was challenging. At all. That was challenging. Yeah. And finally, wanted to know what was Chrissy's last name. Helen, what did Ophira say? Ophira said snow. Correct. And, uh, Miss Suzanne Summers? And she was watching, too. She's correct. And she's watching at the kitchen table, which I can't get over that. You got to watch TV <laughs> while you were eating. That's so Crazy. incredible. Yes. I can't, I can't believe it either. Looking back, I was like, wow, we were really very dysfunctional yeah. in a weird way. Uh, Ophira, we do have to wrap up. Is there anything quickly that you'd like to ask of or, or say to Suzanne Summers while we have her here? Oh, my God. Well, I could. I would love to hear a gazillion stories all about showbiz life. You answered so many of my questions with what you said. And I just want to say um, thank you for being like an unbelievable, entertaining uh, icon in my early childhood and continuing through my adult life. And also, I did not know that story from your voice here right now about what those negotiations were like and I I'm not surprised and I guess I'm happy to know that and I I'm much more even in awe of you just hearing that. Isn't that 
How nice. Thank you very much. Uh, Suzanne, if people want to find out more about you or your work or your products, uh, where can they go? What can they do? I want you to come to my cocktail party. I'm there. Uh, yeah. Five o'clock California time, three times a week, but for sure Mondays and Wednesdays. And that's on Facebook. And I'd really love you all to go to SuzanneSummers.com and look at our product line. I'm extremely proud of it. And I'm also proud that, you know, we all get the big fist in life many many times it doesn't matter how many times you get punched down you got to bounce back up and that's um it's that's what gives you the measure of the person well i have to tell you suzanne so, summers whatever the opposite of getting the big fist is that's what this experience has been like for me it was absolutely <laughs> yeah. wonderful and a treat and an honor to have you suzanne summers ladies and gentlemen thank you thank you all thank you all so much have a wonderful evening Helen, as if it even matters, what is our score as we go into the final round? Going into the final round, Jay Keith, it's a tie. It's a tie. Jonathan Colton has seven points, and Ophira what? Eisenberg also has seven points. All right. Unbelievable. That means it's going to come down to our final round that we call Fast Facts. I'll read ten statements, uh -oh. and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Jonathan and Kay. alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. Again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Jonathan, when you get your dog a haircut, it's called grooming. True. Correct. Ophira, dog grooming can only be performed by a veterinarian. False. Correct. Jonathan, there's a dog <laughs> grooming business called Citizen Canine. True. Correct. Ophira, there's a dog grooming business called Who's Afraid of Virginia Woof? <laughs> False. Correct. Yeah, I made that one up. Jonathan, there's <laughs> a dog good. grooming business called Indiana Bones and the Temple of Groom. Oh, false. Incorrect. No, there really is. Oh. Uh, Ophira, there's a dog grooming business called Raiders of the Lost Bark. True. True. Incorrect. No, there really ah. isn't. <laughs> you would have think they would have started with the first and then done the sequel, but there you go. Jonathan, there's a dog grooming business called Jurassic Bark. <laughs> True. Correct. Ophira, there's a dog grooming business called Bark to the Future. <laughs> True. Correct. Jonathan, there's a dog grooming business called Barks and Recreation. False. Incorrect. No, there really oh. is. Ophira, uh, there's a dog grooming business called Barking Bad. False. Incorrect. No, there really is. I hope it's meth themed. Jonathan, there's a dog grooming business called Bark Tank. True. <laughs> Incorrect. Ophira, oh. there's a dog grooming business called the Bark Crystal. <laughs> mm, false. Correct. Jonathan, there's a dog grooming business called His Bark Materials. <laughs> false. Correct. Sophia, there's a dog grooming business called Zero Bark 30. <laughs> oh, I would go there even if I didn't have a dog, but <laughs> false. Correct. Jonathan, there's a dog grooming business called The Bark Knight. Uh, false. Correct. And finally, Ophira, there's a dog grooming business called The Bark Knight Rises. <laughs> False. All right, we're not going to count those last few that we made up, but let's uh, thank so much Jonathan Colton and Ophira Eisenberg as Helen tabulates the score. Helen, are you ready to announce the final score on this episode of Go Fact Yourself? I am, and Jay Keith, it is still a tie. Oh, my goodness. Oh, what my a goodness. game. Oh. Jonathan Colton and Ophira Eisenberg both have 10 points. 10 points, a very high-scoring game at that. That means It we is have to the go... most you've ever had, right? The most <laughs> points ever scored? Sure. sure. Uh, all right, that means we have to go to a tiebreaker, which is going to require our guests to uh, use a pen and paper. So if you want to get those ready, uh, here's how it works for our tiebreaker. The answer is a number. Whoever gets closer to the correct number wins. Now, we do not play prices right style. So no guessing one dollar. 
Uh, I'm going to ask the question, give you a few moments to think about it. Then when I ask you to, hold up your uh, answers and uh, we'll see who got it right, okay? Here is your tie-breaking question. Uh, according to the Social Security Administration, in 2018, the 413th most popular name for newborn girls was Helen. How many babies were named Helen in 2018? Write down your answer of how many babies were named Helen in 2018. And whatever it is, I'm sure there will now be more babies named Helen after all of the people seeing the lovely Helen Hong on this episode. <laughs> this right. is, and this is just in the U.S.? Just in the U.S., yes. Okay. How many newborn baby girls in the U.S. Four. were given the name of Helen? I'm ready. Okay, Jonathan is ready. Ophira, are you ready? On the count of three, hold up your answers. One, two, and three. We've got Ophira with 2.7 million? And Jonathan Colton with 25,000, both of them a little on the high side. The correct answer, 745. That was just ahead of Adriana and just behind Raven. But all that means is that Jonathan Colton, you are the facting champion. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. What will you do with your facting championship? I will share it with my friend Ophira Eisenberg. Oh, oh, what a guy. What Everybody a guy. wins. What a guy. Uh, that just leaves us the opportunity for anyone to promote any upcoming products, appearances, or services. Uh, Jonathan Colton, where can people find you? What do you have going on? Uh, nothing. It's a pandemic. Uh, <laughs> right. I'm Jonathan Colton on Twitter. I'm real Jonathan Colton on Instagram and jonathancolton.com. Excellent. It was wonderful to have you join us. We appreciate it very much. Jonathan Colton. Thank you. Uh, my friend Ophira Eisenberg, what about yourself? Yeah. Pretty much the same, but okay. you can listen to loads of new episodes, more new episodes than ever of Ask Me Another. They're every Friday. And you can find me at OphiraEisberg.com and at Ophira E on all the socials. All the socials. It's wonderful to have you back on the show and wonderful to see you, Thanks. my friend, as well, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you so much. Everybody, you are so lucky because my hosting partner is Ms. Helen Hong. What do you have going on, Helen? I actually am in a delightful uh, Asian-American coming-of-age story, a short film called Becoming Eddie, which you can watch uh, f a limited time online. Uh, this month is Asian-American Pacific Islander Month. And uh, so you can watch the film for free. Uh, check out details at becomingeddiefilm.com. Excellent. Thank you, Ms. Helen Hong. Uh, and me, you can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith, on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank Jonathan Colton, Ophira Eisenberg, Mark Rivera, Suzanne Summers. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Update our wiki at gofactorwiki.fandom.com. <laughs> and buy our T-shaped shirt that Helen is modeling right now at maxfunstore.com. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Like what you hear? Come see us live. Sorta. It's free. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. And give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts like S. Grande did. He, she, or they said, I listen to a lot of game show podcasts, but Go Fact Yourself is different. Between the What's the Difference round, the deep dives with experts, and the laughs, I keep coming back for more. Thanks, S. Grande. So do we. Helen? Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from various homes across the country. Questions on Go Fact Yourself were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. It is produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Go Fact Yourself's theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer and editor is Julian Burrell. For KPCC and LAist, managing producer is John Cone. 
Technical direction and graphics by Tony Federico. Events manager is Rebecca Stummy. Special thanks to Denise Finnegan at R. Corey Hay Creative Public Relations, Alan Hamill, Ainsley Bubako, Julie Turkle, Dr. Linnea Newman, Dr. Courtney Nicholas, Dr. Joel Himmelfarb, Leora Saul, Clint Tauscher, Sonia Weiser, Jimmy Marks, Rachel Hayden, Petra Hayden, Sarah Rodenbaugh, John Klein, Carol Davis, Mike Avellanos, Adam Needif, Dave Bianchi, Erich Tran, and Christine Vallada. I've been Helen Hong in my closet. Let's go watch Three's Company and listen to Billy Joel, just like I did in the 70s and 80s. <laughs> MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned, audience supported